Good morning, good morning. Today, breakfast is sponsored in loving memory of Raimonde and David Sofer, Alem Shalom. Li'ilui nishmatam, David ben Naima, Alav HaShalom, and Simcha bat Hana, Alav HaShalom, sponsored by the son, Edward Sofer. Uh, and as well, breakfast is sponsored in memory, Li'ilui nishmat, Avraham ben Sarah, Alav HaShalom, sponsored by Elad Dror. Please stay afterwards so that we could do a hashkava for both of these wonderful nishamot, for all of these wonderful nishamot after the class. Rabutai. <coughs> The, uh, there's a very famous lashon, expression in the words of Hazal, our rabbis. You shall not <clears throat> burn or start a fire in all of your uh, resting places, in all of your dwelling places, on the day of Shabbat. In fact, if one was to look to try and find the isurim on Shabbat, the things which are forbidden on Shabbat, you won't find them. Which Isurim are said expressly in the Torah? Which things that you're not allowed to do on Shabbat are said specific, specifically in the Torah? Number one is? Fire. Number two is? Nope. Not writing. Anyone know? The second one is? Ish A person is not allowed to leave the Tehum of Shabbat on what's that? Where do we find that? It's not here. It's all the way back by Mara before we even get to Torah. Okay, so you have two expressly mentioned Isurim on Shabbat. Everything else we learn out from the connection to the fact that it's next to the Mishkan, as we mentioned yesterday. But the Chachamim tell us on this words, What is that coming to include? It's coming to include, aside from a person doing a avon, uh, the sin of a melacham, also says the Pasuk, in order that a person should, say the Chachamim, it's brought down as well in the Zohar, that a person should, it is asur that a person should have the ash of kas, the fire of anger, in his home, specifically on the day of Shabbat. Now I want to express an idea, and I think this is very important. We know in Torah there are various elements that make up that understanding and uh, uh, tapestry of what Torah is. And they are called the Pardes, the Orchard of Torah. What does Pardes stand for? Pshat, Remez, Dirush, Sod. So again, Pshat means simple interpretation. The Torah says don't do this. Remez means the Torah is giving you a clue, a hint, and you're learning from the Remez. Dirush means we're making a dirashah on the Pasuk, and Sod means something according to Kabbalah, mystical understanding or appreciation um, from within a, a, a Pasuk. Each one of these things is part of the orchard of Torah, None of them are any more or any less part of Torah than any others. Some people tell you all the time, oh, I'm not into this, I'm not into that. You can't not be into something. You might get more enjoyment from one thing or more enjoyment from the other, but they are all part and parcel of the Torah that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave to Moshe Rabbeinu on Har Sinai. So I want to discuss one idea according to this Kabbalistic concept, and I want to show how there's a symbiosis between that which is understood on a spiritual level, on an allegorical level, and as well on a pshat level. <clears throat> there are two things, what are, what are they one more time? One of them is that there should not very be a fire, and on that we express this idea, this mystical idea that a person should not have the fire of anger burning in his home on Shabbat. And the other one was that a person should not, shouldn't go a certain distance out of his camp. He should stay in his place. 
Our Chachamim explains something magnificent about these two ideas, which uh, illustrates to us not just an external understanding of one thing you can't do on Shabbat amongst many, but rather a quantification of the essence of what Shabbat is. And I need you to hear this because it's beautiful. The moment a person gets angry, the reason why we lose our temper, where does temper come from? Why do we get angry at people or at things that happen inside our house? The primary reason why a person gets angry is because of ego. This is what you're doing to me? To me? Of all people, I'm such a sadiq. I never did anything wrong to you. The primary reason for anger is ego. In fact, that's why the Pasuk tells us when we're talking about uh, worshipping our Akadosh Baruch Hu, it says, Do not bow to a foreign god. What does the Gemara say on that? What does it mean to bow to a foreign god? It means to lose your temper. Because when you lose your temper, who do you serve? Your anger. Ain't nothing, nobody's going to tell you what to do. Nobody's going to tell you what to say. The mouth on a person, doesn't matter to the rabbi, to his wife, to his father-in-law, to his mother-in-law. When he's angry, chalas, it's done. Which means that if Shabbat is supposed to celebrate a person's understanding that Borei Olam created the world, that Borei Olam runs the world, so what are you getting so upset about? That things didn't go your way. This is how they were supposed to go. HaKadosh Baruch Hu made it happen this way. This person was born into your life for this reason. Don't get so angry. So on Shabbat specifically, the second thing is, don't leave your place. A lot of times a person, they think that everywhere in the world, this is the, but no, there's a space where you're supposed to be. There's a space where someone else is supposed to be. Those two things don't cross. There's a Rishut Yachid. There's a Rishut Rabim. Do you understand this concept? So therefore, we used these two specific ideas to map out the lines of Shabbat. Once we've mapped out the lines of Shabbat, Rabotai, we begin to understand all the other Isurim that become part of it. So it teaches us the boundaries, the shape of Shabbat. The shape of Shabbat is to understand that God is in charge. The shape of Shabbat is to understand that nothing happens that is not by His word. If that's the case, Rabotai, we understand why those two mitzvot are there. However, on this note of anger, I wanted to bring one unbelievable concept. There was a, a man whose name was Rabbi Shabtai Frankel. If you studied in yeshiva for more than one minute, you'll know something that's called, they call it the Frankel Rambam. Now you have to understand, when, Ra, when Rambam gave the gift of his books to the world, yeah, that was a gift of epic proportions. What he did with the Yad was absolutely transform the Jewish world of learning. It's, it was remarkable what he did with his Sefer HaMitzvot. Unbelievable. Okay, he's mentioned every single day in the Bit Midrash. For someone to have a, put out a book that in the expression is what it's called, it's called the Frank, Frankel Rambam, as opposed to the Rambam of this guy called Frankel. You have to understand what he did to the Sefarim of the Rambam. The way he went over every single manuscript, managed to get each manuscript from different places. He compared the Girsaot, he chose the most reliable one. He has in the back every single question you could possibly ask on it. He tells you which sefer to look into in the Yalkut in the back. These sefarim are an absolute must for anyone that would like to be not just a rabbi, but even a ben Torah. How did he do this? How did he do this? With tireless work. He is a Holocaust survivor. He donated everything to gathering teams, to writing this. And bit by bit, he put out each sefer. I can't tell you, I remember when the books were coming out, you waited for the next edition. 
It was like, uh, it was like you know, more than any sequel of a movie or any sequel of a novel, you know, we were waiting. When was, when was Mada going to come out? When is, many, when is this one going to come out? Because it changed, it changed. It was a ga- each one was a game changer. Rabbi Tai, Rabbi Frankel for many, many years was negotiating with the government in Egypt because he knew in Egypt they had, Rambam spent time there. They knew that there was a manuscript of Rambam's writing that was there locked away that was inaccessible and they knew that it was a, uh, it was a piece that would help them unlock and be able to write with an authoritative way, uh, what's it called, the, um, the opportunity for to, to correct uh, the, all future generations. It takes him, he raises a fortune of money to be able to do this. He goes to Egypt and he involves every diplomatic thing. You know, the Israeli government, this one, that one, every possible thing until finally he goes there, he delivers the money, he gets the permission, they get the manuscript and they bring it to the office of the Frankel, uh, of the Frankel Institution. He spreads the manuscript out on the table. It wasn't the whole thing, but it was a piece, a very important piece. They spread them, it's crumbling, the, you know, the barely, you could barely see it there, the, 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 the manuscript. As it's sitting on the table, and everyone's so joyous about this, uh, this new piece of information that they have, a young man, an intern, who was uh, helping Rabbi Frankel analyze the text, was so excited. He's sitting there at the table getting ready, he knocks over, trips on something, knocks over his cup of coffee on the manuscript of the Rambam. I can't tell you, even me, even now, when I was, when I was reading the, this, you know, I, I felt like my heart stopped. It's so old, and again, if you don't know how to keep a manuscript, you know, once you, even you unroll it one or two times, the whole thing falls out. It, it doesn't just break, it crumbles into dust. Within seconds, they noticed, frozen, they jumped on the thing, tried to shake it off, gone. Rabbi Frankel doesn't say anything. He just walks out. One minute later, he walks back into the room. And in his hand, he hands to this young man. He says, Rahi, I think you spilled your coffee. Here's another one. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? And I wonder sometimes if the reason why his books were so accepted and so used, because a lot of people put out books, and a lot of people do tremendous work in restoring manuscripts, and those books don't get read. They sit on the shelf gathering dust. You have to have siyat not just to write the book, but for people to read it. Rabotai, this is the power of someone who's in control of themselves. You should just know the Hazon Ish used to teach that if there are manuscripts that for much of Am Yisrael's history, they didn't find the light of day, God ensured, enabled that those manuscripts never got to us because we should not follow them the halakha. Could you understand that? So Rabbi Frankel understood, in, but not in a year. Five years from then, I could have came in with the coffee. You know, and think, you know what, when I die, they're going to write this in my art scroll book. You know what I mean? But to do it on the spot, to be in such control, in all of your places of dwelling, what I learned from that, let's just, could just say in the Pasuk, don't make a fire. But the idea is, whatever situation life puts you in, to be able to think to yourself, what will I gain? What will be helped 
by me absolutely slating the guy. This is already ruined. And I have to add to this, especially when it's in, when it's in a davar shebikdusha. It's an object of holiness. You're going to yell and scream at the guy, what? In order to write a book about Torah? Come on! You hear that? I want to end with one last thing. Rav Chaim Ozer-Gudensky was the uh, preeminent, uh, what's it called, in, uh, in, in, in Poland. Uh, the Gadol uh, Hador. And in, they put out one of his books, he wrote to Ahiezer. He actually has a very famous teshuvah and gelatin, ironically, that gets quoted all the time today. However, he, um, Rav Chizkiyahu Mishkovsky, he wrote in the introduction to the book, he wrote about his rabbi. He said this, my rabbi was a genius in every area of Torah. But what people do not know about him was that he was actually a giant also in human midot, in the way that he dealt with people. He says, one day I'm sitting there in front of the rabbi and a young guy comes in. He couldn't have been more than 20, 25 years old. You know, picture. He walks in, he says, rabbi, you know, there's a position available in a certain city. I would like my father to uh, be considered for the position. So please, if you could write me a recommendation that the city should hire my father. Rav Chaim Moses says, listen, this city is a very, very big city. It's very complicated. It's a very difficult position. I know your father. I mean, he's a beautiful guy. Behabu, like they say. You know, the guy's great. I love him. But he's not, this is beyond his, uh, his pay grade. He can't, he won't be able to manage the forces at play, the questions that are going to come up. Some, the, the rabbi of that city needs to be, I'm, so, I'm sorry, I can't write the recommendation. The guy says, what do you mean? Da, 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 da. And Rav Chaim Oza says, listen, you're asking me, you're not asking me as a friend, you're asking me from my position, from my seat, you know, with my title, you want me to write that. The people are going to listen because I wrote it. I can't be responsible for something that I don't think is correct, I'm so sorry. The guy gets angry, vicious, nasty, screaming, he's cursing, he's telling the rabbi all sorts of threats. The rabbi has no response. And he just says, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so, I wish I could help, I'm so sorry. The guy walks out, Rav, the, Rav Mishkovsky says to him, I don't understand. Until when? You know, till when does you have to keep your mouth shut? There's a little kid, he's cursing out the gadol ador. Rav Chaim Moses says, listen, he's not yelling at me. He, he's, he's trying to protect his dad. He's trying to help out his father. He's trying to help his family. When a person's in a, in a very tight spot, it's not him that's speaking. It's his desperation. I'm not going to yell and scream at him because he's desperate. Do you hear that? I'm not going to yell and scream at him because he's desperate. Rabbi the next time someone's yelling in your face, just think to yourself, this is not him. This is his desperation. This is the fact that he can't make the, 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 the mortgage payment. This is the fact that someone in the family is ill. This is the fact that someone, something just happened and the whole family is suffering in the public limelight because everyone is talking about them for a bad thing. This is what's coming out of the guy's mouth. And when a person judges favorably in such a way like that, then they're able to bring a light of peace. Instead of the fire of machloket, they bring the fire of the mizbeach, the passion of Torah, of beauty, into their home. And it lights their home. And it warms their life and the life of those around them with the most beautiful of, uh, of, uh, of lights. Baruch Adonai Amen ve'amen.